you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL Podcast. <laughs> it's real to me. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Uh, hey, what's up? We were just treated to roughly, what, 11, 12 minutes of Dan rapping <laughs> in the studio. Well, when we got when we got in, well, before we get to that, also sitting in with us uh, for a whole show. We're so excited. Uh, she is from the NFL Now Game day blitz program. I am NFL now in general. Uh, uh, you know, one of the uh, main <laughs> talent um, contributors. Over Fantasy there. Live sometimes. NFL Network. Fantasy Live on Wednesdays. Or yeah. Yes. Uh, on the old network. Uh, her name is Colleen Wolf. As if she needs an introduction, the Wolf Woman. What is up? No awkward ISO cam. Yeah, I feel like you're okay with that. Yeah, I am totally okay. Welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Yeah. So, yeah, when we came into the studio today, there's this R&B podcast that uh, our old friend TD uh, produces. And uh, Nate Burleson was in the middle of a real, I think it might have been a freestyle, but it, it sounded as if it was written down uh, with pen and pad. Sounded very professional. Just got me a little hyped up. And, ma yeah, maybe at the end of the show, um, Sydney, we can – you know, play some of my rapping because I'm working. Well, I, I did. You're so good. Y Dan, people that don't know, Dan is a world-class singer, and he mm. treats us to <laughs> his music before every show, really. And I was going to save this for our Thursday night preview, but since it came up, Sydney, uh, I would love the guys to hear. They weren't here on Thanksgiving night, but Dan had a, was I here? a special performance <laughs> on Thanksgiving night for, for myself and Sydney and D'Angelo. I don't remember this. Like, or my elbow, it hurts so oh. much. Oh. oh, no. Kiss it, Olivia Munn. Oh, please. <laughs> Are you kidding me? 
Uh, you know what? I'm wow. not even happy that was put on the air. I thought that was supposed to be a song. <laughs> I thought it was kind of a song, but now that I rehear you know, it. That was me <laughs> taunting the two-time MVP uh, Super Bowl champion Aaron Rodgers, apparently. Listen, when you, when you walk into NFL Network on Thanksgiving night, and just knock out some now hits. Sometimes stuff comes out. It was it was more of I, you're right. It was more of an injury analysis. I have all the respect in the world for Aaron Rodgers as a player. <laughs> well, you should be fine because you know history tells us that Olivia Munn does not react to She's her name being be put out there in the press. So is that I don't even know. Is she she should be working on Broadway or a local. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Les ran her out of Hollywood. <laughs> well, she took back. one Packers beat reporter to town and various others after the initial controversy of whether Aaron Rodgers, if his relationship's getting in the way of his play. Yeah, she tweeted at somebody and said, you're probably having problems in your personal life. One of the people who Ooh. wrote the I think that's fair. Rap. There's nothing dumber than than a video asking or, or anything asking if Olivia Munn is the cause of uh, the Packers' troubles. You could see a similar video on NFL Now right now, actually. Wasn't it a joke, though? <laughs> yeah, I think it was. All I didn't good. even know that. Um, okay, so <laughs> Colleen's here. We're excited. The Wolf Woman is with us. So uh, we have a lot to get to, a lot of show. Um, we're going to talk about, yep, we got to talk about it, Mark, Monday Night Football between the Ravens and Browns, which out of nowhere ended up being among the most entertaining primetime prime games of the year, but maybe not the ending that Browns fans uh, were looking for. In fact, I can guarantee uh, that's not how Browns fans wanted that game to end. We'll talk about that. We'll hit some news over the last pe- couple of days since we were last with you on Sunday night. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some coaches on the hot seat, some hot butts across the NFL, um, a lot of jobs in danger. Some butts are warming up. Ooh, Is that fire? Ooh, those are butts. Those are seats that are. There's some fire <laughs> this is under. So them. uncomfortable, Dan. <laughs> yeah, that's. This is wrong. Hot butts. It's, I, I the segment is called hot from. butts. Yeah, it makes absolute <laughs> and, logical sense. And butts has a Z at the end. It, so we'll talk about that. It's wrong in many ways. That the whole hot butts imagery, mm-hmm. um, and then just having so much glee at these men losing their jobs around the holidays. Dan's I, just. I for one have fire. sympathy for them. Greg, I don't see where the glee families. is. It's Greg, most you've never of had sympathy for another human at all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> most of them exit with like multi-million dollar severance packages and they go immediately into like a three-month holiday on an island far from the United States. So it's not really... How about the 17 assistant coaches? I love They're shots. They're I love well any paid. shots at Greg for lack of humanity. They just always get me. <laughs> I, I kind of side with Mark here. This isn't like a garbage man losing his job. These guys all get jobs again within four or five months, yes. if not much sooner. Uh, we will also talk about uh, Thursday night football, a matchup between Aaron Rodgers. Listen, Aaron, uh, you know, all due respect, great player, uh, of the Packers and the Detroit Lions. A little TNF preview. And then we're going to welcome back, uh, you know, a colleague, a man who hasn't been on the show in a, in a few weeks, but it was time to bring him back on because he had to, something he had to get off his chest. It is Connor Orr with another edition of Are You Kidding Me? <laughs> Love Are You Kidding Me. So I'll, I'm going to be excited, Colleen, for the rest of the show. Good. I'm glad. Just getting ready for that. Okay, so let's, uh, before we do anything, though, let's talk about Monday Night Football, guys. Let's get right into it. Uh, a big matchup. Well, it wasn't a big matchup. It was a, uh, two teams that aren't going to the playoffs uh, in the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, and yet, it turned in a classic. A game tied 27-27. 
with the Browns lining up for a 51-yard field goal to win the game. It is blocked. Travis Coons' kick is blocked, picked up uh, by Will Hill, returned 64 yards as time expires. Yes, the kick six, uh, one of the stranger endings to um, a game, uh, Monday Night Football primetime or otherwise. Uh, Here is Mike Tirico who had uh, the call, which was something that will live in infamy in Cleveland lore. And it's blocked. It is picked up by Will Hill. Will Hill runs down the sideline. Hill's going to get a block. Will Hill is going to win the game on a blocked field goal. Unbelievable. It's a kick six. Tariko, such a pro. Mark, uh, final score, 33-27. Take me – walk us through uh, your headspace as this game played out and then, of course, the final play. I don't know if I'm the best – so-called Browns fan to reference on this one because I I wasn't really – I'm kind of hoping for them to get a high draft pick. But the game itself, the way it ended, I actually left in the second half to go – Browns are on national television like once, twice a year tops, and it's usually a mess. With the game kind of close, I was – I'm going to go out and watch the end of this. And I walked up the street to this little place, Doe Room. Dan, you've been there. And I happened to sit next to a Ravens fan of all people. And while this play was unfolding, it was like minute 10 of this person giving me a long explanation of why Browns fans should be happy that the Ravens went to Baltimore because of what happened with the Colts. I'm just trying to shield this guy and get this guy out of my my (laughs) ear. And this play happens, and all I could do was sit there and laugh because it's the most Browns ending to a game that I've seen in many years. Uh, You are a factory of sadness! A month's like 4,000 tweets saying we've got to play that sound drop on this podcast. Yeah, that just seem, seems hurtful at this point. Your your immediate text uh, right after the play was, are you effing kidding me? I did not write that. To text. I thought you said tweet. Yeah. To, no, to no, you your, guys. Your I text. Your, oh, your, sure. I think everyone in Cleveland your tweet, probably wanted Your tweet was a, was a Stockholm Syndrome-like uh, love note to the Browns saying that you love the Browns more than ever. I believe that was your first. Because they are what they are at this point. If you're just like you have a friend that keeps doing the same thing over and over, you either decide to not be friends with them or you just say, listen, I love it's, you for all your mm, beautiful mess. Like Rob Lowe in um, About Last Night. <laughs> it's also, you know, watching some of those fan videos, Colleen, I'm sure you saw uh, some of them this morning that filtered out of uh, uh, – because, it, it, of course, it could only happen in the home stadium to, to achieve maximum brownness. Uh. Uh, some of the reactions – one guy literally tore his jersey off uh, like Hulk Hogan. A lot of people walking around. That guy's like, a hero. That was amazing. It was like a bomb went off, like just people with stunned looks in their eyes. It was it was quite a sight. On the sideline when you – so we saw – we were watching the replay, and when you watch the replay of Will Hill and he's slowly going into the end zone – you see over his shoulder, there's a guy on the sideline, and he's just thrown his head back and up in the air, and he is laughing hysterically. Now, I don't know if he's laughing like like he's a mad, crazy person or <laughs> if he's just like, this perfectly sums up the Brown season. But, yeah, ton, ton of it stuff does. like that. Wes, what you, did the, you handled the write-up for NFL.com, the What We Learned. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the game overall? I can't believe you called it a classic. <laughs> yeah, classic's the wrong word. <laughs> I I like I call it a classic. In my opinion, a game I will not forget. Even if it was like uh, people will remember this game in ten yes. years. Yeah, well, that's uh, like really calling Kajagoogoo's album from the '80s a classic. Well, I we sometimes talk about the best bad football games, and this is one of the best. It was entertaining. Bad yeah, football but you're right. Games. In the last two minutes alone, there were five possessions, a miraculous Austin Davis touchdown to to tie the game. They were about to. You know, go for two. They didn't do that. 
three more possessions, a tragic Matt Schaub interception, and that just set up this. Which tragic Matt Schaub interception? Right, there were a couple. Yeah, for the QB wins crowd, the guy who won the game was the guy who threw a pick six, then threw an interception that handed the ball to the other team practically in field goal range with under a minute remaining. Well, the Browns should have had should have been intercepted because that's all I felt like Baltimore did was drop interceptions. They drop passes. Mosley. Oh, and even Darius after that Webb. Matt Schaub interception, the second one, Mike Pettin and Austin Davis, and you can't really blame Austin Davis. You can't? Nah, he's coming into that situation. First of all. Uh, he's been around long enough to handle that situation. Yeah, I, I know it's a lack of reps, but you have to well, know the, that you can run out of bounds but instead the slide, of sliding. The slide didn't matter. That's he could have gone – he could have gone a few more yards. So he got to yeah. go. The timeouts didn't matter because Pettin blew not taking the timeout well before that play. At that point, the timeouts were a moot point because they had wasted so much time. It made no sense. And and yeah, they they set up essentially a 51 yard field goal for a guy that has 48 yard range. So you knew the kick. There was a chance there was going to be low trajectory, and then you saw it happen. Josh McCown fractured his collarbone in the fourth quarter, which led to Austin Davis getting in. And, you know, there was so much brownness to this game, Mark. We were talking about this downstairs. This, just the idea that, you know, as the Browns are fighting their first Monday night game in, I believe, eight years, and their starting quarterback goes down, and Manziel is there, and he's dressed in uniform, and they need a quarterback to save the game, and the fan base is all pumped up in the stadium, and he just stands there. And next to him is Dwayne Bowe, who's just standing there in a oh. giant coat. Uh, with a smile on his face and, you know, $9 million rich or whatever it is. It's like the whole thing was just – it was sad. It was sad well, Greek theater. And, I mean, at one point, I know we often – Wes and, and Greg and Dan and I will have a chain of texts going on primetime games. And depending on how many beers various people have had, it can get lively. But <laughs> last night at one point, I, I think I just said stop because it was like there was too much to make fun of. And, and it, it was like <laughs> you guys were great. But watching a Browns, this Browns team on national TV while monitoring Twitter is a very sad thing because it's you're watching a team that you do care about just getting lambasted over and over. And then the ending happens, and it's like a whole new fresh chapter of nonsense has been unleashed. It is a bit of an eggshells experience, like texting during a Browns game, because there is so much to make fun of. But you know that Mark takes it to heart. He's, you know, Mark he bleeds brown. Let's face it. And uh, <laughs> doesn't sound healthy. Remember, no. remember back in week three, <laughs> bleeds when, gravy over there. Remember at the start of the season when Sessler was no longer a Browns fan. Doesn't that seem like ancient uh, history? I don't think yeah. any, but did anybody really buy into that? No, you said at Mark the time, did. I don't well, buy Well, they've it. re-signed yeah. Terrell Pryor, so I'm back on board. <laughs> oh, that's right. Just wait until they get Chris Carter's kid in the house. So there you go. That's the Browns uh, oh, talk. I, we could talk another 20 minutes about that game, but at the end of the day, it was still a 2-8 and eight versus 3-7. and seven. We have a lot to get to. But a classic, in my opinion, uh, just from memory standpoint, it's you know Monday Night Football. When they have the retrospective, whatever the next big anniversary of Monday Night Football is, that's going to find its way into the clips. Well, and the disparity between the fact that, rightfully so, articles were written all Monday about how this is the worst primetime game in human civilization, and then to get what we got, the, the chasm between those two mm. is, is interesting. I mean, Austin Chazam, by the way. Ah, uh, yes. Chasm. Austin Davis had a fourth and six from his own 34, and three plays later, they were in the end zone with a bomb. I thought that was like such a magical Browns, like things are going to get right moment. Greg was revving up the Austin I, Davis fan. I, I was excited tell, for the Tell Austin. them why, though. Remember that sandwich bet. That's right. I have a sandwich oh, yeah. bet that Austin Davis will start more games this season than Johnny Manziel. Two weeks ago, that would have been about 10,000 to one. Right now, it's about two to one because I think they'll go they back. They got to get Manziel. I think they'll go back to me. Matt Schaub, Buck Allen, Austin Davis. You had all the headliners in this one. <laughs> A true <laughs> yeah. carnival. The biggest disappointment to me was not one 
cut to the Browns owner's box for a Jimmy Haslam Skeletor laugh. I don't think there's a whole lot of laughing going on up there right now. Mm. All right. Let's move on and let's do uh, – listen, there's not a lot of news to get to, but there's always news in the NFL, so let's do it, uh, Lasid. That's ludicrous. you got to stay off Twitter. <laughs> well done, Sydney. Uh, we'll start in Indianapolis, whereas uh, we talked about on Sunday, Matt Hasselbeck is now 4-0 as the starter. A really nice win uh, for the 40-year-old backup uh, who's playing in place of an injured uh, Andrew Luck at 40 years old. It, it's only natural that the question was eventually going to get asked. We don't know when Luck will come back, but somebody has to ask the question with the Colts now playing good football. Is there any chance Hasbuck keeps a job if and when Luck is healthy? Chuck Pagano's answer to this was, that's ludicrous. you got to stay off Twitter, as we just heard. Uh, and my thought to that, my thought, I don't know if you guys disagree, uh, that I think Luck obviously is the guy that has to go back in the lineup, but I don't think it's a ludicrous question because when a team's winning, a team's winning. It's a laughable question. I'm glad that, that Pagano lampooned whoever asked it. It's got to be asked, though. Hasselbeck has beaten the Jaguars, Texans, Falcons, and Buccaneers, hardly a murderer's row, and has been outgained 1261 to 1594. That is not a recipe for sustained success against good teams, and Pagano knows it. Also, Andrew Luck, a free agent at the end of the year. What would you do if you're Andrew Luck and your team decides to bench you, despite all of the data you've compiled compiled for three years saying you're one of the best talents in the NFL for a 40-year-old quarterback beating bad teams. I, tot- I totally agree, and yet you can't ignore – I don't think it's bad to ask the question. You can't ignore two of the best three-played quarterback games by the Colts this year were by Matt Hasselbeck. You can say that they were outgained. He played – Unbelievable. I don't even disagree that three of the four happened week. with Matt Hasselbeck. And, and he played really well against Is that predictive of what's going to happen no. in the future? Though? No, I, I, but I don't think it's crazy to ask. I think that it, the climate in the NFL now is when a backup quarterback comes in and just does what they are paid a lot of money to do, which is come in in spot starts, win, play well, that every one of these has to turn into a quarterback controversy. The idea that you sit Andrew Luck and roll from here on out with Matt Hasselbeck is insane. Yeah, not to mention the Colts' defense has been playing better, too, under Hasselback. So they've only been allowing, like, 16 points per game. And when Luck was in there, it was much higher. It was over 20. All right, I'll play devil's advocate here because I think Luck should go back in the lineup, and I don't think it's real discussion. But what happens if they win three more games? And they're, what are they, they're on a six-game winning streak, and they're cruising, and Hasselback is playing at a high level. You go with the better player? You still, Andrew Luck you by still a lot. go with Luck, but you – you do really worry about the fact that Hasselbeck got Dante Moncrief more involved. I think they've made smart decisions. They're kind of benching Andre Johnson. T.Y. Hilton's been more of a factor. I I mean, if Hasselbeck played as well as he played last week, a couple straight more weeks, it makes it more interesting. I think, Wes, though, you nailed it with the contract thing and what with all that's tied to that. You have to go in to this offseason where there's going to be a lot of other nonsense happening, a lot of change with no with no indirection about Andrew Luck, yet to be clear. And and you're trying to win a Super Bowl, and they have a very small chance to win a Super Bowl, but any chance they would have to win a Super Bowl would, would be with Andrew Luck. Luck's, the last game he played, too, was his best yep. against the Broncos. Uh, moving on, uh, the Marshawn Lynch uh, biopic, Ray Lewis's R&B album, Jerry Lewis's film The Day the Clown Died. All things lost to the sands of time. Also lost, Mark Sessler's one-on-one interview with Bill Lazor, the now now former offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins who was fired 
um, after uh, you know a poor uh, showing of play calling against the New York Jets. The Jets are really coach slayers in Miami uh, this season. Um, Mark, yes, you did do a one-on-one with Laser a couple of years ago when everything looked like he was a good fit, but now they've decided, coming off a game where they ran the ball nine times, uh, the decision was made. He does not have a feel for this offense. Is not going to take him to the next level. Your thoughts on the dismissal, Mark Sessler? Well, he's probably in trouble, whether it was now or at the end of the year when they completely clean house. And it's, you know, before the year, we were, Wes and I were trumping the idea that why aren't 28 teams running the Eagles offense? It's this old boys network. They're so stuck to their ridiculous old schemes. Well, all right. <laughs> Chuck not went sure up for Bruce that. Arians, who called that offense. Basically, it works well in college. Yeah, I think It'll- it's just, you know, there's probably a lot of in-house stuff going on, too, and it was, it was the end of Laser. He's way too focused on the pass, too. They never run the ball. They run the ball the least amount of any team in the NFL. He was the coach that was there, the quarterback's coach with the Eagles under Nick Foles when Nick Foles had that ridiculous season, Mm. and everybody wanted to say that that's why it was Bill Lazor, but that's not the case at all. We haven't seen any evidence of that in Miami. I thought you said that he was way too focused on the past, and then I was going to say that's ironic because his name is Lazor. Oh, Mm. yeah. But forget all that because (laughs) you said pass. Pass. Let's harken back to our off-season discussion on Ryan, Ryan Tannehill's contract. And I, I hated that contract because I said he was doing this in a gimmick offense. What happens if Bill Lazor leaves? What happens to Ryan Tannehill? I think you've got now a $96 million contract for a subpar NFL quarterback. Is that what Ryan Tannehill – is part of the problem here uh, the fact that Tannehill simply just isn't as good as the Dolphins or many uh, pundits thought and – Laser got taken down with the ship, and eventually, you know, maybe Joe Philbin did, and maybe other coaches will before his time in Miami's through. I think it's too early to kill the contract, but that has. It is? I think it is. I killed the contract two hours after it was signed. No, I know, but I don't think we can evaluate it as a failure right now. But it has a chance to be for Mike Tannenbaum in Miami what that Mark Sanchez contract was with the Jets. Yeah. Because you don't see many contracts with these quarterbacks at that age where all the base salaries are guaranteed, and he's guaranteed the next three seasons. Next year is very affordable. Then it's 17.9, 17.5 after that. And he's on the team. I mean, there's, you're not trading that contract. He, he's part of it. So the next coach better figure it out or else that's a millstone, and that basically takes down Tannenbaum. I mean, I guess my question is whenever we get worked up over these contracts for the quarterback that's clearly your starter and the best option on your team right now, if you get rid of Ryan Tannehill or you just decide to deep six the whole thing, where do you go? You become one of these teams that's looking for a quarterback, and that's a worse situation than Ryan Tannehill. Well, the offensive coordinator now is – Mike Sherman's, isn't it? Or no, Mike Holmgren's son-in-law. Remember that guy from Hard Knocks? Taylor, right? Was in the room with yeah. them with Matt Moore. There's a lot of Matt Moore Tannehill stuff going on. He He's from Texas. City. I don't know. There's How did that work out for the Lombardi I was, clan? To, you, to your point, Mark, uh, yeah, you don't want to dive back in. And I remember we had similar conversations about Andy Dalton as soon as or recently as a few months ago that they were in this tough spot where they think they kind of have a somewhat of a guy. Do you really want to throw him out and try to find someone better? Maybe Tannehill, the skill, I guess the skill set is there. We right? saw it last year arm, a little he bit. Has, he can what move. we saw last year, though, was Lazer's gimmick offense, that you're putting Tannehill, you give him all these easy throws within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, then the NFL defenses catch up to it, and where does that leave you now? Back to square one without Hugh Jackson to turn your career around. Mark, the final word, uh, you did have a one-on-one conversation with Bill Lazer. We'll never know what was said in that convo. 
Well, you can not, share it right here, perhaps. Well, you know, I, I think a little bit came out of it. I think in in general, <laughs> if you're a coach and I call you up, I'd be concerned about that because I also spoke to Mike Patton before the season, and it's Greg, like everyone. You also used Greg to Roman, Mark, yeah, Mark Tressman, a lot of your boys. Yeah, so you know, if I, if you hear if you get my uh, cell phone on yours, you just you don't. The pick then back again, touch. you spoke with Dan Quinn, who got a job. Yeah, team isn't free fall. <laughs> uh, moving on. That's interesting. That's interesting insight there. Didn't expect it. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, you know, a, a hush fell over the Around the NFL podcast studio on Sunday night when Gronk got banged in the knee in the fourth quarter uh, against the Broncos. It, it certainly appeared at the time he'd suffered another season-ending injury, uh, but that is not the case. Uh, he has no structural damage or tears in that knee. It's a, it's being labeled a strain. He's going to miss at most a week, uh, according to Rap Sheet, uh, as uh, Kevin Patra wrote in his piece, thank the football gods. Yeah, and they're playing the Eagles, so they should be fine. Yeah, they're they're in good shape. So Gronk, I think we're all happy that Gronk is still going to be in the picture, and this is a potential, Greg Rosenthal, season saver for your Patriots. It is. It gives them a chance to win the Super Bowl. I think it would have been really difficult without him. And all these injuries, maybe I'm an optimist, the only one – we don't really know that any of them are out for the season except for Deion Lewis. I mean, if they get Amendola, Edelman, Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, and Gronk back, you can't really expect them all to return healthy, but let's say you get three or four out of Aren't those Aren't they five. all supposed to return They're all healthy? supposed to return healthy, but maybe something goes wrong or you get hurt again. You know, they're right in shape as the favorite. So you're saying it could all come together uh, when it really counts. December don't you'll matter. Be, you'll be okay. December they don't play don't a team better than six and five before the playoffs. And if all those guys are back by January, they have to be considered the favorite. And as Gronk knows, you know the officials were targeting him uh, unfairly. So maybe this will give them a. He time. did say that. I think I give him some time that. to reflect in the mirror. And Gronk's right, by the way. Five OPIs uh, when he never had five his whole career before that. There are thirty teams that haven't had five OPIs. Uh, so, yeah, people just got to deal with that. <laughs> Gronk is just bigger than stronger than everybody, and sometimes he makes like Shaq. People. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, yeah, so you're gonna you're okay. You're 10-1, and one, Greg. Everything's fine. You're cruising on through January. See your favorite team in the <laughs> Super Bowl again. What a blessing. It's stressful, though, covering your favorite team, watching it there. That is true, Greg. It's a tough. It's a tough I burden. can't tell you that from personal experience, and neither can anyone else in the room. It must be really hard. Yeah. Um... Yes, the throne of ease is alive and well. Anyone that was nervous after Sunday, everything's fine. And that is what is happening. All right. Listen, first of all, Colleen, how's th- how are things going so far? I think they're smooth. I yeah. think everything has gone completely <laughs> smooth. Yeah. Colleen and I are going to do uh, a little later today an NFL Now hit. We are. Together, uh, I wrote a, a piece on Thanksgiving um, putting together my opinion on a Super Bowl 50 halftime show that would work. Oh, that's what it's about? That's what, what it's about. Okay, cool. That's what it's about. A lot Colleen. of collaboration. Uh, <laughs> the person, the, the, the talent manager uh, uh, ahead ahead of me that has his own office. Talent manager? Your talent? What? Making up, making up things now. Uh, asked me, who do you want to do this with? I said, oh, the wolf. Oh, that's sweet. But more It's going to be just like play. old times. Yes. What? You, uh, could, you could see it that as a shot at Marcus took. If, if you are so inclined. Oh, so or Ari so Wolf, for that matter. <laughs> so many people. Um, so many wolves. Guys, it's causing trouble. Anyway, it is time now, so let's have some fun with that. All right. I can't wait. Great. You guys should check it out. Yes. Uh, we'll send a link out. Uh, Who's your big prediction? I mean, you might as well tell us. Who do you think? Well, 
what the press release has stated is that it's going to be like a celebration of the through the years of the past 50 years of the NFL with the Super Bowl 50 upon us, the golden anniversary. Um, so there's going to be a new act, but also past acts from the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, so there were uh, I just threw out a couple I thought would make sense. Uh, Prince, you uh, two, maybe Beyonce. Uh, uh, maybe McCartney or the Rolling Stones. Maybe get that Janet Jackson uh, Timberlake combo. To I didn't. I included everything. Janet. I thought that Timberlake. I didn't like how Timberlake play it, played it with Janet. He kind of threw her under the bus. They would never. So they would back. never. Da- First of all, she has no like current juice in society. Second of all, <laughs> they're not gonna. Uh, they're not gonna bring back the no. woman that they. That That's they why hate. we got Aerosmith for nine straight years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what but, about up with people, Dan? Uh, no, I said like this was. I wrote in my piece. Thanks for reading, Mark. That. If if like you want to do your own show, go ahead. If you want to put up with people or the University of Missouri marching band, these are all things that have been in the past as well. Down with we people, can. I say. Down with people. What would be West your dream halftime act? Realistically, what? in 2015. How many times Six. did I have to say it last year? Emmy Lou Harris. <laughs> <laughs> I was just actually gonna say wow. he would. Prob- it's about oh. me. <laughs> you asked me. I answered a question. I'm surprised he didn't choose the UCLA Bluegrass Band. He saw the other Oh, night. I love the UCLA That's Bluegrass Band. Yeah. That would that would get the That was my best uh th- my best experience with live music since I moved to LA. Very nice. High praise. All right, so let's now talk about uh yes, as was teased earlier, uh, let's talk about some hot butts. Call this segment Hot Butts. <laughs> uh coaches <laughs> on the hot seat. As we head into the final stretch of the 2015 regular season, and let's face it, uh, I suppose some years are more than others, but this feels like there is a healthy amount of hot butt uh, in the NFL right now. So why don't we go around the horn, uh, Wolf Woman included, and each throw out a uh, a butt that's uh, searing right now. We'll start with you, Mark Sessler. I think some of these people are. It's it's a foregone conclusion. With I'm going to go Chip Kelly because. I think that what was promised and all the high praise and the long think pieces written about this coach and the culture he is going to create and all this stuff, what you have created is one of the most boring teams in the entire NFL. Well, it's a quarterback-proof offense, right? Until this season it is. <laughs> we may have been <laughs> wrong kidding, about everybody. that. We, well, we were right up until now, but it, the flaws are exposed. When it comes to Kelly, I think the thing is, though, there's still time in that terrible division to maybe rewrite the script for the end of the year. It may come down to if Kelly still wants to do this too. I think there's a lot of going both ways questions to be answered. So he's getting the hot butt nomination from me. That's very, that's very, oh my God. Well, I don't <laughs> hope that for Chip Kelly. That sounds so wrong and terrible. <laughs> this imagery is so yeah, disturbing. I, I don't accept it. Um, <laughs> Greg has the back of multimillionaire no, coaches it's, it's who are about it's to. It's not about it the again. sentimentality. It's just the wording and and their butts. <laughs> none, of it, none of it's good. Chip uh, Kelly is creating uh, the warmth, though, on some level. I mean, I think Ian Rappaport uh, reported that. I know that Ian Rappaport reported that there's you know possibility of a trade or a move to Tennessee. That I think there'd be some interest from Chip Kelly's side. Maybe the t- Titans would be interested, too. This is one of your pet peeves over the years, isn't it? That coaches can publicly say that they have no interest in jobs while behind the scene their camp is working all of the angles to see what they can get. Especially because the second best option, I think, for Chip Kelly is to stay in Philadelphia. I really doubt that he would quit or try to leave, and I don't think they would fire him. Then, I mean, unless it's like 4-12, and 12, that that's the hard part of 
saying it. I would love to have here. a camp operating behind <laughs> the scenes nice. for my mm. best interest. The Sessler camp. Um, I wonder about that, though, with Howie Roseman there, almost as like mm. a safety net type deal. He's a so safety net for like who? If, if Chip Kelly was to be fired, if he like did do that, then he had – I mean, him and Howie have had a long relationship, Jeffrey Lurie, so why is he still there in this very limited capacity? I think they have him in like a satellite campus in the Pocono Mountains now. <laughs> he is in the Pocono. Yeah. Uh, well, I think with his stapler. Internet is spotty. I suspect there's, there's a Howie Roseman camp, and I – Suspect the Howie, <laughs> Howie Roseman, Roseman camp. the Howie Roseman camp and the and this the Chip fun. Kelly camp. I don't think they're they're buddies. Howie no. Roseman they're has one make, of the best Wikipedia pages in the they're NFL. They're not making you s'mores together. Really? Yeah. I will check that out. All right, Wes, you're up. Let's talk about some hot butt. Mike Patton, come on. I know that Jimmy Haslam has said he doesn't want to blow this thing up, but Mike Patton, two and fourteen since he started out seven and four. You watch that Browns defense. They don't stop the run. They can't get pressure on an injury ravaged Raven off offensive line. They let people run free in the secondary. They miss tackles. He was hired because he's a defensive mind. They draft three first-round picks on defense three years in a row. You know, granted, Ray Farmer is over his head as a GM, but Mike Pettin's had a say in drafting these players, specifically Justin Gilbert, because he wanted that position for his scheme. And Justin Gilbert, I mean, apparently he doesn't even want to play in the NFL. He doesn't want it badly enough anyway. This team has no no hope. If you're a Browns fan, Marcus said this, who are the young players you're hanging your hat on? Your two best offensive players right now, Travis Benjamin and Gary Barnage, are free agents. There's nobody to build around on defense because your best players are in their twilight years. There's no hope. If they can't win in December or at least highlight some young players to give some hope, he's got to go. I think one of the two goes. I don't know if it's Patton, though. Yeah, I think it's hard to decipher what – of all the chaos happening in that organization, what it will amount to by the end, but someone is going. And Pettin has not made a strong case for himself. I couldn't have been more on the Pettin train. You like him a lot. I like him as a person. I think he also is uh, – they've had so many dull individuals and non-motivators. But now i got a question if he's motivating anyone because their defense, as you said, their staple all season long, out of position. They just look like they're not well coached. The the 2000 2000- – uh, 14 Browns draft classes now making the 2012 first round class look like the Cowboys 89 draft class. It's hard to do that too. That's quite an achievement that they've pulled off here. Is it an achievement? I don't know if that's the word I'd no, tack on to it. Probably not. Uh, Wolf Woman. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, Sean Payton. I'm going to go out here sort of on a limb. Mm. There were a lot of reports earlier in the season that he was out, maybe looking for other opportunities, and that the organization would let him walk. But now at this point, the Saints are 4-7. and seven. They're going to have probably back-to-back losing seasons. And then you look at his record. Since, since Sean Payton has been back, he's 22-21. and 21, So why isn't his seat hotter than it is right now. Why aren't more people talking about him? I mean, they didn't even – they got rid of Rob Ryan, but then this week it was the offense that was the problem. They didn't score a touchdown. That hasn't happened since, like, 2005. You're saying you should have, like, a scorching butt. I think it should be a little bit warmer, a <laughs> touch warmer. Well, okay. I, the real crazy part of it is that I think he's going to be the one dictating these terms. Does he have that much power? That – I don't know. Maybe he just has a great agent, and maybe this is just reporter, his camp is great. Reporters speak. He's got a great camp, <laughs> very well set up. Lots of cheese and meats. And I wouldn't go camping with Sean Payton. The Howie Roseman camp for kids. There, there is a line of thinking that Sean Payton is kind of the big domino that's going to control this coaching market, <laughs> and that he's going to get traded. Uh, it, he's going to 
to get, the Dolphins? Get traded to a couple teams that are vi- vying for him, and that'll kind of kickstart the whole thing. Hmm. That's a line of thinking. Hmm. I know that, uh, Greg, it sounds like you've been speaking to people in the know behind the scenes well, to get an edge up. We're going to have a, a coaching hot seat update uh, article on Wednesday. Connor Ooh. and I both. Uh, mm. Ooh. A he said, he said, perhaps. Well, he's kind of doing the guys who could get jobs. I'm doing the, the hot seat. Mm. It's so really a nice either. collaboration, bringing out your strengths, you and Connor. Thank you, Wes. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> is what is that? Was that real? Well, Greg loves coaching news, and he's kind of he's more plugged in than he lets on. It's true. And Connor is our intrepid reporter behind the scenes. The other thing, like one of Greg's like sneaky, um, almost freakish things, is like tiebreakers and things of that. Oh, nature, like he loves schedule it. stuff. Like <laughs> there's it's just there's a whole compartment a of his brain. Step, like, like like schedule tiebreakers. Forty four percent of Greg's brain knows every tiebreaker <laughs> scenario possible in December. I mean, it's a that's compliment. amazing. I'll, I'll take it. My wife wishes I remembered anything that she tells me to do about my children, but we'll take what this we is get. more important, Greg. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I will throw out there. Listen, it is time. We This is not going to be a surprise to anyone that listens to the show. Jeff Fisher, he's got to have a butt on fire, like practically <laughs> melting, melted butt for Jeff Fisher because this guy is, If listen, if you're a franchise that you're really locked into winning seven games every season. And Jeff, they are. Jeff Fisher is your guy. But at a certain point, you know, enough of, of all the talk, the bluster in the offseason about how you've built this nucleus and you're ready to take off. If you're still going seven and nine every year, I don't think I want you in my in my building. And and I have to say, like, Connor Orr wrote a piece. Listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> wow. He might want you to kiss that hot butt. The way he uh, was talking this week. I yeah. ain't kissing no butt. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, Sydney will attest that, like. There's I, a drop for you. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I ain't kissing no butt. Yes. <laughs> that's, the, like, the hardest I laughed in a long time when Sydney played me the drop of the guy screaming. It just it just connected with me <laughs> for some reason. You could breathe. That's <laughs> Think about anything else. Um, so, anyway, yeah. Fisher has not had a winning season since 2008 in Tennessee. Um, he's just a guy that, you know, he's more, all, what is this? What do you say sometimes, Wes? It's, it, he's, he's got the name, but not the game. I mean, that's where Jeff Fisher is at in 2015. But don't you, I mean, there's a little bit of the plot from major league going on here, right? Mm. Isn't he allowed to be bad at football just so they can leave St. Louis and come to LA? But that's that whole thing again. Like, oh, cause you're saying you don't want the city to get, but the city is already fighting for the Rams. It sounds like the owner just doesn't care anyway. Uh, which there is some. Uh, I would not go into any detail on what's going on with any owner in the NFL, but I, there could be a major league plot here. Smartly played, Wes. Thank you. Wes looking to remain employed throughout mm. uh, the next decade or so. Against all odds. Yes. They they seem to love Fisher for whatever reason. He sh- I agree. He should. He's he should, a charismatic guy. He should I get be it. hot. Are you and sure? Yet I get, and yet. Maybe not. I, I sort know. of w- I would be surprised if anything happened with him, even though on paper it makes sense. All right. Uh, Greg, how about you talk some hot butt? I'm going to go uh, with the most. No, I don't want to even. <laughs> what? Greg Stoke taking the fire, such a moral Greg. stance on the it's hot It's not butt. about moral. It's you're not like about a, no fire. Like no fire <laughs> while I talk. Uh, please don't mention any buttocks, please. It's just if I was listening every time I heard that in relation to like Jeff Fisher and Pagano, I would cringe. So I don't want to contribute to this whole hot tuckus situation. I don't I don't follow. Why would you cringe? 
I don't know. Just the whole the whole idea. This soundbite shows I, up two days later. Greg on goes the Yiddish podcast. for the first time in the history of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Chuck Pagano is the guy I'm going to talk about. It's fascinating. Sydney, cut me. all cut all sound effects. Greg's <laughs> very serious about this topic. <laughs> it's a very solemn topic, and it deserves respect. And everybody, why don't we all just move out of the way, Greg? Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Chuck Pagano, his 17 mm. assistant coaches, their families, the wives, yes. some of them with special needs. Um, they're in trouble in Indianapolis, and we should take it mm-hmm. seriously. No, I, I. <laughs> Wait, but now this sounds. Now it's oh, like, now you're going to go there. Oh no! I have been fascinated by this because they have won every year that he's been there, and it's an owner, it's a GM, and it's a coach, and they all seem to have different camps. And maybe the owner and the GM, their camps are situated a little closer together. But the, here we are again. The Colts have won a lot of games where they've been down 10 points. They're playing better late in the season. You're telling me if they make a run, get to 10-6, and six, win a playoff game, then you're going to fire Chuck Pagano. To me, that's really fascinating, but it sounds like that's the direction they would be going. Is this year's John Fox. More camps than the borscht belt in summertime. Oh, Wes. Come on, Wes. Wes loves the old <laughs> borscht belt jokes. <laughs> and that seat's even hotter, too, with the Texans Reverence doing us. as well as they're doing, too. Yeah, that's true. Hot butt. That's one of those <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those studies where you said it. Like, the, the issues going on behind the scenes, and it's not so much behind the scenes at this point, is could just tear it apart. It, it seems like, can you go another year with this with this situation in Indianapolis? It seems crazy, but it also seems crazy that if they keep rallying and playing well, that that you get rid of the coach. That owner is going to clean house if they bomb out in the playoffs or stumble and don't make it, right? And if they, they don't make it, there's no way he's gone. But I, I just wonder. If I they, see. I can see if the they tweet rally. Now. They, they win a wild card game, and you know they lose in Foxborough or something. Okay, I don't know. All right. Well, that was that was handled very well, Greg, with grace. No, and really dignity. Wasn't. I think we're going to have to take out some of that. Well, I, w- I would invite, uh, you know, four or five NFL head coaches to get together and do a show about our employment futures. I wouldn't be offended by that. They're more than welcome to. I'm on board you're, with that. You're saying that some of us in this room might have a uh, hot butt. It's My very possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Greg, you would have knowledge about uh, at least the three men in the room. Colleen, I don't know. Maybe we could talk to your superior, get him in here. <laughs> you can talk to my camp. Okay, I'll talk to your camp. <laughs> The Howie Roseman camp for underprivileged teens. What? <laughs> I like the idea. It's evolving. <laughs> All right. That is Coaches on the Hot Seat, a.k.a. Hot Butts. I don't understand why you got so upset about that. You're saying it's not showing respect to guys that have actual I'm jobs. not really that upset about the uh, lack of respect. It's just the word Hot Butts <laughs> over and over. Everyone with a butt Bother, right now. Bothersome <laughs> to me. That would be everyone. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Uh, before we get Connor Orr on the line, let's uh, talk a little Thursday night football right now. This is a uh, matchup between the Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions. Um, I will, I'm will. i going to ask a similar question because we didn't really get a chance to get into it on uh, an NFL Network hit uh, that uh, hopefully will run later this week uh, because the Green Bay Packers uh, started out 6-0, and of course, are now 7-4, and have lost 4-5. and uh, and the Lions, meanwhile, are now four and seven after a one and seven start. So two teams going in different directions, uh, Colleen. So I'll, I'll ask you this: Would this even be considered an upset in your mind if the Lions won this game in Detroit? No, I feel like they're on a streak right now. And really, I think I'm still reeling from what I saw on Thanksgiving, what they did to the Eagles. And that's more on the Eagles than than the Lions at this point. But I think that they've hit something and they've sort of figured out a little bit what was going wrong before. But Calvin Johnson, he's gotten going again. 
They hit three touchdowns last week. Theo Riddick, I mean, they were able to run the ball because the Eagles couldn't stop them. Ziggy Ansah, though, he's been insane, so I would not be that surprised based on, too, the way that the Packers have been sort of reeling. What do you think, Greg? I think the Packers are the favorites. I think it would be an upset if the Lions won because the last five years matter more to me than the last three weeks. But there's no denying that the Lions are playing better than the Packers right now. I mean, they, their performance on, on Thursday was exceptional. I, I know, you, Wes, you were impressed with how well Matthew Stafford played. But you, you mentioned Ansa. I mean, Ansa took over the game the week before for the Lions, the Raiders game. He won them that game. Then last week he has three and a half sacks, two tackles for loss. So he's playing exceptional. And Jim Bob Cooter. Coots. Old Coots is getting theoretical. Like Cooter. you said, like he is finding the matchups that you're looking for. Yeah, he's getting the whole offense involved, specifically Calvin Johnson, who was an afterthought with Joe Lombardi. But since this bye week, I mean, Stafford, he's coming off the best passer rating of his entire career in the Thanksgiving Day game, and I thought was the best game he's played since 2011 when he threw for 5,000 yards and 41 TDs. Not just the passing, but playing with confidence and a competitive fire that I haven't seen out of him in a few years. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get overly excited about the Lions doing what they did against the Eagles' defense, which has given up 90 points in two weeks. Granted, they scored 45 of those points. I think the Lions at this point are doing what we thought they would do coming into the season. True. They're simply performing the way that we wrote about them all offseason. you got endless weapons, and they're finally actually winning some games. I'm not going to sell the Packers down the river based on an ugly month. And I understand that Aaron Rodgers probably looked as bad in that last game as he had in a long time. You know, I mean, the Packers are telling us this is what we are over the past month. I just, That's who they are. I think Receivers. in the last month, though, you got Eddie Lacy back. He looked good. He's looked healthy. He's run Devontae well. Devontae Adams is having one of the least efficient wide receiver seasons in the last two decades. He had more James drops than jo- catches. Well, that's fine. I guess the, when I look James at the Packers, Jones though. has been held catchless in two of the past three weeks and was also the issue with the Raiders' offense last year. He's too slow. Randall Cobb's dropping everything. This offense just isn't very good right now. And that's fair. But if I want to trust one team to go turn it around and drop 40 points and say, hey, you know what? You can all talk about what happened over the last month. We're going to get it right and be fine by January. I will choose Green Bay over the Detroit Lions, and I'll be happy to be wrong. You know what's crazy, too, and this is more a big-picture NFC conversation while we talk about is green, this is Green Bay maybe. They're just this team that's a little up and down and not nearly as explosive as they thought they were going to be. Look at the Carolina Panthers who – um, you know, undefeated as we know, but you have the Packers now that seem to be not nearly as good as they were last year. Seattle, we're seeing, even though they're coming off a nice win on Sunday, they seem to be a, a bit compromised in, when compared to next, last season. The Panthers might have a way more wide-open path than we realized in January. Certainly a month ago, we would have never thought that. Well, Packers and Seahawks were by far our top two teams in our power pool to start the year. There was a big gulf, really, between those two teams and the rest of the pack. This is a a huge game, I think, for the Packers. If they lose this game, and and you said the Lions are doing what we expected going into the season, I never expected them to win in Lambeau. They haven't done that in 24 years. Well, fine. I'm talking about their players actually showing up, which they didn't for two-plus months. And they're finishing out games on offense by possessing the ball. Even though they didn't put up huge numbers in Green Bay, I was really impressed how they finished that game and finished – the Raiders game, if the Packers lose this, then they're in another category. They're in the are we going to make the playoffs category. In, you know that That's basically where they'll be, which is which would crazy, be incredible. It's a crazy thing for the Packers. If the Lions want to win this game, though, too, they have to stop the run. The way that you mentioned, Dan, Eddie Lacy, he's back. He's had over 200 rushing yards, I think, the last two weeks. But the last time they 
played, Eddie Lacy wasn't in there, so they limited them, so they need to stop the run. Let's go around the horn. Uh, your pick and final score, Mark Sessler. Green Bay, 28, Detroit, 24. Wes. I think I'm going Lions here. Woof! Rawr. I just think they're playing better right now. The way they're the way they're composed as a team, I think they're they're better. Uh, let's see, 27-24. Nice. I'm going to go Lions, 28-21. Mm, I will go, wow, two picks for the Lions. I will go Packers, 28-21. I think the Packers will win. Do you guys, 28-24, uh, do you think uh, oh, same score? <laughs> wow, it waved it off. Why not? Well, uh, this uh, no, picks don't he's, matter. He's I don't, have, what I I mean. don't I just wanted to make it a close score. I just want the podcast listeners that haven't didn't see it to know that Greg had a dismissive hand well, wave. Well, because no, that's been the theme of the entire the show score. for the throne uh, the of ease. No, I was I was trying to get to my next thing. Which First, is, you turn on butts, and now you're turning on picks yet again. Do you think the Lions, if they do win this game, let's, got just, one. let's presume they do win this game? Could they run the table here and make the playoffs? They're at Rams. At Saints, home to the 49ers, at Bears. Wow. That's doable. They have to get past the Packers Can we first. calm down, That's the please? big thing. <laughs> I know. I'm with you, Please hard. calm down. We're, we're talking they're going to end the season on an eight-game winning streak. They hey. started 1-7. I know they're a different team now than they were then. You want to talk major league. Jim Caldwell has basically been fired. He brings in Jim Bob Cooter. Coots! You know, Martha Ford. Sorry, Martha. You can't fire us. You fired everyone else in the company. We're going to win eight straight games, well, and we're not going to let you fire. To me, the big thing is the Packers game. But one, right. if right. they beat the Packers, then I would consider it because they would they should be favored in the fo- final four remaining games. Mm, this is a good one. It's a good Thursday night game for Jim and Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget Tracy. Tracy Dan Wolfson. loves his announcers. Down on the side. I do love the announcers. Tariko had such a great game yesterday. What a call. You're gushing over it. I do. I love Tariko so much. What and, a great and call in that final play. Yep. Tariko. Absolutely. The master. Um, I always bog down the podcast by talking about the announcers, but they just, they're just they a major part of the experience Gro- for me. It is. Groot in Monday Night Football is the one I watched really the most in terms of the announcers. Gruden went he, – he's so great because he went from being apoplectic and depressed when Manziel wasn't in and Austin Davis wasn't successful his first drive to just elated and couldn't have loved football anymore like by the end of the game, like by the time Austin – They were so excited <laughs> when really they got within to Gruden's grinder. Yeah. Did you see them? It looked like Gruden <laughs> was out of breath at that point. <laughs> he loves it. That's what you want. That's what you're looking for. All right. Before we go, it is time to, uh, I believe, Sydney. we have him on the line right now. Uh, he is a man that uh, works for Around the NFL and NFL.com. Uh, he's our East Coast correspondent based in a haunted mansion, uh, in fact. Uh, look it up on Wikipedia. Uh, in New Jersey, he is Connor Orr. What's up, buddy? What's going on, everybody? There he is. It's good to hear Connor's voice again, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Hey, Connor. Hey, what's going on? Wow, listen to <laughs> you, buddy. Listen to you. Uh, all right, so it is time with Connor on the line. Uh, th- here's the thing about Connor. Uh, despite the fact that he's 27 uh, and should be, you know, living the high life at clubs and bars and, you know, meeting different women, here's the truth of the matter. Well, he's engaged. But he's engaged to be married to a wonderful woman I've yet to meet, uh, but by by all indications on social media, she's great. Uh, he has a home, and no, F you, he's not renting. He bought the son of a <laughs> and he's got mortgage payments, and he's got landscaping and yard work and mowing the lawn to do. Uh, and and He's the only one in the Around the NFL family 
uh, that has that's true. any ownership. Seth. Well, let's I start here. True. Don't live in Los Angeles. Colleen does? Colleen I own a home, but it's in Philadelphia. I don't you don't live, live in, in it. it, so that yeah. doesn't count. Okay, that's for another podcast. But here's the thing. <laughs> you take home ownership. You take uh, being engaged. You take the idea that I'm 27. Am I making the right life decisions right now? Uh, and then you add in I'm writing for the NFL. He's got there's a lot of stress, and if he doesn't get it out, he explodes, and that's why – uh, we bring him on the podcast for a segment we like to call, Are You Kidding Me? <laughs> All right, Connor, what's on your mind today? Dan, uh, <laughs> as the holidays are fast approaching, uh, websites will offer people suggestions what to get your significant others. And I am here to to just beg everybody to stop suggesting to get your significant other, Seinfeld box sets on DVD. The show is not funny. Wow. Oh! One of the most overrated shows. Watch Frasier instead. <laughs> All right, dig in on that, Connor. All right, so I always think of Seinfeld as kind of like the show that like people that don't have access to other forms of entertainment enjoy. Like, you know how wow. your gr- your grandparents <laughs> kind of talk about like, like the Lawrence Welk hour is like this hilarious show. Well, it wasn't. It was just like the only channel. Right. So that's what, that's what made it so good. So you're saying that Seinfeld uh, as a phenomenon was a benefit of the fact that there wasn't nearly as many options as in the, the digital world that we know today. That and I actually did some research, and I feel like I can basically boil down every plot into like four things that that i've kind of noticed over the stretch of the series wow it is so crude there's no there's no reason to think this show should be seen as genius <laughs> all right let's hear him all right so my basic understanding of the show is that it starts <laughs> and then uh the large racist man slides into jerry's apartment and says something <laughs> well, crazy okay. and then we didn't know he was racist uh, at the time <laughs> keep going and then uh, George just, like, yelled uncontrollably, like, throughout the show. And then, like, at some point, a plot conflict arises that could be easily solved with a cell phone, and then it ends. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've heard – I have heard that before, the idea that Seinfeld, as, you know, the plots would be destroyed if there were cell phones involved. But, listen, you that's what it was like back then. And I will say right now, Connor – uh, let's open this up a little bit. That's, I disagree entirely. I think Seinfeld is one of the great uh, sitcoms ever, uh, and it was original and, and funny, and it holds up today when you watch episodes. How you like that? Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> uh, I'll counter by saying the only thing worse than Seinfeld is the um, the, the moments where like uh, sports writers on Twitter will make Seinfeld references that are totally unrelated to the moment, like if Will Hill returns a kick for a touchdown, they'll be like, oh, it's like that time Jerry and Elaine went to a pizza place, but they didn't have pepperoni. How funny was that? It's Ooh, not, obligatory been- Mike Florio shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i with Connor. Well, and Dan, I'm sort of halfway in between. It was, one of, it was a great show, but it's 2015. I don't know if it holds up as well, and I definitely don't think a box set of DVDs is okay. anything anyone wants to get in the year 2015. <laughs> Bad present. So I have a confession to yeah. make here. I made a Seinfeld reference last night on Twitter <laughs> oh. during the game. Wow. wow. Ooh, this is awkward. <laughs> 
What so was what was it? Alan? It was George, um, and he was <laughs> looking surprised in a GIF, and it was the Rams watching Austin Davis. Okay. It, yeah. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I, it's a beloved part of American pop culture. You were like Jeff Fisher. It's fine with me. Jeff Fisher be like. Exactly. <laughs> I did it. I went for it. We do need to calm down uh, internet with the with the GIFs. Uh, yeah. Well, GIFs, Paul, let's talk about the 32 teams. Everybody calm down. Where, where is this storehouse of GIFs that all fantasy football writers have access to? <laughs> well, they're very easily it's, accessed it's online. It's Giphy.com. It's, oh. it's a secret. Yeah. Well, Colleen Sorry. just gave it up. So, okay. In summation, Connor Orr. Uh, has stated that Seinfeld is an overrated property in terms of entertainment and the worst. And Wes just threw his, paint, <laughs> wow. his pen in anger. Uh, and Why? you're saying anyone. I'm appalled by this stance, and I'm not about to debate the merits of Seinfeld with some millennial come lately. Oh! <laughs> right back at you, Mr. Homeowner. Uh-oh. It's about me. <laughs> well, I'm the same age as Wes, and I'll say I liked Seinfeld a ton back in 90, 91, 92. But I watch it now and it's depressing. I would never want a box of Seinfeld DVDs showing up on my door ever. Hmm. Do you wow. feel the same way about Curb? Your enthusiasm? No, Curb is I like ten times no. better than Seinfeld. It's, Cur- it's Cur- Curb is genius. Larry yeah. David okay. is amazing, but as you know, he should have been in Seinfeld. Then I would have liked it. All right, and I guess you only have one one more question or one more thing to say, don't you, Connor? Or are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Well, there, there. He said it all. I mean, he, he did it. He came in. He and he just dropped the mic, right on Jerry Seinfeld's legacy. Hmm. So that's it. Connor pretty does much it again. eviscerated uh, one of the wealthiest entertainers of the last hundred years. Listen, I'll give Connor credit. He has not been on the show in a month or so, and he he's his targets. He's t- he's taking a shot at a big target. Jerry Seinfeld is an icon. It's true. So I respect strong. him. I don't. Came I don't strong. agree. But I also understand what this exercise ultimately it is. It's not ultimately is. It's not this is what Connor's right about. It's like what makes Connor like gets things off his chest and allows him to continue He's to work. He's not looking for consensus. Well, he doesn't yeah. care. This sets a really high bar though. Like you have to go after big time people from now on. Like who's next? It's a bold stance. The Pope? Yeah, you wow. got to be careful with this. Oh, you don't you, get too that's big. your logical next step from Seinfeld? Just mowing oh. down. <laughs> there are many <laughs> spots above him. <laughs> As much as I have a fondness for Seinfeld, I also have a fondness for Or You Kidding Me. So they're battling each other right now. Yeah, certainly maybe the most controversial episode of Or You Kidding Me yet. So we'll make sure to get Connor on down the line. And maybe he'll have a, you know, we've talked about friends in this space before. Oh, come on. As a, as a, a show that basically has a lot of, um, you know, sides and whether you think it's a great show or a bad show. Where do you stand on that, Colleen? Um, I think it's an okay show. Every time I come home, though, Full House is on. At, Kristen is a Full House person. Mm. so yeah. Kristen, mm. your roommate. Yeah, um. different story. <laughs> Not for another podcast. And another a, podcast. That's the Kristen podcast. And for our listeners, just to clarify, oh, she is an adult. She is. And Full House <laughs> is on all the time. Surprising. She's going to um, <laughs> All right. Broker. So there you go. <laughs> we, we covered it all. And, Colleen, you were there for all of it. It was, was. great. Great to have you on the show. Uh, you know, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, I would love to come back. And well, let's let's really it will hinge on how this NFL now appearance goes. Between All right, us. I'm I'm gonna go prepare for it. <laughs> okay, good. Very important to do that. Uh, we'll be back on uh, our late Thursday show. Uh, we'll we'll preview all of the week. Thirteen games, Mark. It's coming. It's coming down the home stretch of the regular season, at least. Um, and also uh, recap that Packers Lions game uh, with uh, Greg and Wes. So that will be exciting. That's what's coming up. 
uh, in the future on the Around the NFL podcast. Thank you for listening. Until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, Mailman, the Wolf Woman, the Boss, and La Cid behind the glass. Until Thursday. I love sports. Sports are great. Teamwork is a hallmark of sports. This is my rap song. Teamwork is important to sports and also life. Oh, yeah. I hope we're taping. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.